de ça. The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. You said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rock. I will not wear the mask. I will not wear the mask. I will not wear the mask. I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above Rise all. up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked triumph? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who follow With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said... Mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio. And as you can tell, it's the middle of the daytime. We are pre-recording the show. I'm doing it live, but we're pre-recording the show, and we've got some people in, uh, some uh, some family members. So if you hear that in the background, please pardon that. Uh, but welcome to the Sons of Liberty radio show here where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us, and if you'd like to check us out online, please do so, SonsOfLibertyRadio.com, and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and... <laughs> Gosh... Oh, they're cutting up in there. You want to watch the video portion of the radio show, head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And on the top of the page, there is two videos up there. 
And so if you want to watch that, there are two videos up there. The one on the left side is uh, Bradley's show from the previous day. You can click on that and uh, play that up until 3 o'clock this afternoon. After that, on the right side of the page uh, is where we're streaming now. Click on the play button and then uh, blow it up on whatever device you've got. And in the bottom right-hand corner, you're going to see a rumble icon. And there, uh, click on that. You can join us in the Rumble chat there. We are streaming live on Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. We're also on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page. And then also DLive.TV at The Sons of Liberty. Right up under where we're streaming live is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. You get one of those in the evening. So be sure and, and do that. Uh, that's all the articles we have for the day for SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. If you want our ministry email, go to SonsOfLibertyRadio.com. And you can sign up for that on the front page there. Also, if you agree with our message and you would like to keep us out there on the Internet, the radio, and in the 50 states live in person, then there's a donate button at the top of the page. Click on that make a one-time donation. Or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of Liberty. And we appreciate all of you guys who do that and keep us out there. Also, our donate button, excuse me, our store is available. Lots of great conversation starters in there, as well as some equipping tools. This week we're highlighting Stephanie's book, For the Children. This is a um, visual, it's a pocket-sized book, but it's a visual um, message about the murder of the unborn. You know, a lot of people stuff their ears, and they don't want to hear about it, they don't want to know it, so sometimes when they don't hear it, you got to tell it to the eyes. That's exactly what this book does. It's normally a donation of $10, um, but uh, this week only through Saturday at midnight, you can get it for 20% off and use the promo code LIFE. LIFE will get you 20% off. That's good through Saturday at midnight. Now, we got a guest coming on today, and this is following right after our friend Ron Gibson on Friday and then uh, Monday with Land Patents. And um, we're going to be talking about that, but I, I got one video that I just want to show you guys before we get to our, our guest. And that is, it's a short video, it's a couple, uh, this is a, a Mockingbird media outlet now that's put out the fact, things that we've told you before, even the Convid tests, those PCR tests, right? I've told you, they have sodium azide in it, or azide, however you pronounce that. It is a known carcinogen in the tests that are fraudulent anyway, all right? Now the Mockingbird media has come out and they're telling you this, take a listen. Million Whoops people who are receiving those free government-issued at-home COVID tests. The extraction tube in many of the kits includes a chemical that can be harmful or even deadly. It's colorless, tasteless, odorless. It's a powder that's found in things like airbags and pest control solutions. Maya Belay from our Cleveland station checks in with Poison Control for a look at the potential dangers. Ohio poison control centers are sounding the alarm surrounding a liquid substance called sodium azide found in some at-home COVID testing kits that could be toxic to children as well as adults if used incorrectly. Our toxicology community has been both surprised that this was the ingredient in some of the kits and also concerned. We have seen exposures in all age groups. The Drug and Poison Information Center at Cincinnati Children's Hospital reports an increase in calls to their hotline related to accidental exposure to the substance. So far, nearly 40 exposures were reported there, and the problem is nationwide. We are one of 55 poison control centers, and nationwide other poison centers have been reporting a similar finding, and there have been more than a couple of hundred exposures nationwide to sodium azide in test kits. 
Doctors advise parents to keep the kids out of reach of children and when testing children for COVID at home to make sure they are supervised in order to avoid any adverse side effects from exposure. Sodium azide can be toxic to humans, to animals, uh, and things that it can cause that we would want to look out for would be like low blood pressure, weakness, fatigue, people passing out. If an accident occurs, call the nearest poison control center. The dose makes the poison. The dose of sodium azide in these kits is very small, and the exposures that have, we have seen has been a small amount of that. Experts say following instructions is key. Some adults actually end up using the potentially harmful substance to swab their nose because they didn't follow directions. Nicole, <laughs> I mean, you can't make this up. So, so they let you go forever thinking this stuff is safe. Oh, you need to have this. You need to have that. We've already been, we've been telling you this is not to diagnose anything. The, the creator of this, Kerry Mullis, uh, who died just a couple of months before all this convid rollout nonsense, uh, said so. And now they're going to tell you, oh, you need to be careful. But don't worry. It's just a small amount. It's just a small amount of poison, a small amount of toxins. Don't, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. We just kind of want to let you know that we know, and now you know, what, two and a half years later. So at least they're coming out, but uh, this ought to tell you how much they're liars and that you shouldn't trust them. <laughs> and I'm sure we're going to hear some of that maybe even in our discussion today. <clears throat> As we talked about with... Um, the courts and with the land patents, there's also been uh, in some of my learning over the past, I don't know, year or so about an American national or even a South Carolina national or as opposed to a U.S. citizen, these kind of things. So we're going to have we've got a guest on with us today, Roger Sales, and he's with the Matrix Docs, D-O-C-S, the Matrix Doc, the Matrix Docs. Dot com and uh, we're going to be talking about this issue here and uh, Roger, it's my privilege to welcome you to the Sons of Liberty, man. How are you? Thank, thank you, Tim. It's my privilege to be with you here. Yeah, great to have you. And you got a great radio voice. You do you do radio? I've been doing radio since I was about twenty two years old. I can old. tell it. You got the radio <laughs> voice, man. You got it. Well, I'll give you a little bit of my background for the Please. people who aren't familiar with me. And uh, I, I fell off the turnip truck down in Panama City, Florida. So that's my hometown. And uh, my father's in the military, so I traveled around a lot and ended up in uh, eventually in Atlanta for 30 years. But I got into radio in my hometown there, and that's how I backed into this. And I learned that because we were in a resort city, there were the, all these guys that represented labels that would try and get you to play their records. And they loved to come to Panama City because they got to come down there on their expense account. And they'd take us out to great dinners and fishing and all that stuff. And all you had to do is play their little record, you know. And so I said, thank you, Lord. I found my calling. <laughs> and so I ended up I ended up in Atlanta working for major labels for 10 years actively in the business and covered your state, as a matter of fact. That's why when you and I initially talked, I asked you about Spartanburg because I used to call on the radio station up there, WORD. And, yeah, uh, I'm familiar with that, that station. For a number of years, yeah, and a bit, pretty big the AM station. And uh, and then I ended up teaching uh, broadcast uh, and, and record promotion at the Art Institute of Atlanta for 10 years, trade school. And and that was kind of when I stumbled into this information. Um and uh, I, I was doing some network marketing, and one of the guys that I worked with, three brothers, and one of them came up to me at a meeting, and he said, uh, income tax is illegal. And I'd been, I knew something was wrong since I was a kid in the 60s, okay? And I never could pinpoint it. So 
I said, well, I got an open mind. And they, they go, well, we got a tape. We got a tape. It took them about a couple of weeks to get that tape down from Virginia. And when I watched it, I can tell you the night I watched it, because I consider that my Patriot birthday. Okay. And that was July 16th of 1992. Now, the reason I can pinpoint that is because that was the night of Bill Clinton's first acceptance speech. And if you'll remember, it lasted over two hours. It's the longest acceptance speech in the history of American politics. I had watched half that tape. I stopped the tape to watch that, thinking it was going to be 15 or 20 minutes or something, and I'd go back and finish it. And uh, I, was, I was intrigued tremendously, and, but I must have had to work on Friday because I, I, uh, I couldn't get to it till Saturday morning. And so I remember waking up. It's one of those mornings you wake up and you don't even need a cup of coffee, right? I woke up, bounded down the stairs. I couldn't wait to get that videotape in and see the back of half. It was a tape by a guy named Al Carter. Some of you old-timers may remember that name. Phil Marsh is another one. He was ripping off Phil Marsh's stuff. And so the back half of the tape, when I finished watching it, I asked myself the question that many of you asked, probably after you find out what we're going to cover today, is if they can screw us this bad, what else is going on we don't know about? And that's where I started. Yep. Uh, yeah, and there's a lot There's a lot they're doing to us. There really oh, is. Oh, buddy, you just wait till we're finished, okay? Um, so I had a friend, uh, and, and Phil Marsh actually was in town shortly after that and went to see him, and this way before the Internet, 1992, and uh, bought everything, get, got everything I could afford or get my hands on, I started reading, and... Uh, and and about another couple of weeks later, another call came in. There's a tax meeting in town. And so I said, who is it? And he goes, I don't know. It's this guy, Benson. Well, I'd read enough to know about Bill Benson from uh, Illinois. And I thought it was that Bill Benson. And so I couldn't wait to get over this meeting on the weekend on, on a Saturday and uh, get over there. And it's not Bill Benson. It's not Wayne Benson. It was another Benson in the Patriot community. It's this little, very kind of portly guy, very unassuming. You wouldn't recognize him or think anything special about him. And until he got up in front of a group and started talking law. And then he became Superman. And that was my teacher. His name's John W. Benson. He's no longer with us, deceased, unfortunately. He had a partner who was still alive as my dear friend today. So the point I want to make here in the front is this is not just me. What you're going to be exposed to today is the result of over 100 years legal research by three men and the sacrifices that went into finding what we've got as an answer here today. Okay? So... Uh, it's not me. It's not about me. It's about the information. All right. I'm just a messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. That's right. That the old thing? That's right. <laughs> so, uh, let's start here. You're kind of a biblically oriented guy. I take it. Yes, sir. So why don't we start there? All right. Uh, James one eight. Okay. Are you familiar with that verse? Yes, sir. It says a double minded man is uncertain in all of his ways. It doesn't say some of his ways. It doesn't say part of his ways. It says all his ways. And that's the basis of what they've done. They've made us double-minded. Okay? So if I were to ask you, Tim, are you a citizen of the United States or are you a citizen of the United States of America? What would you say? Uh, the United States of America. Well, then you'd know the right answer. But most people think those things are synonymous. Yeah, one is a corporation. One is the land that, were, the, the land that was no, established. No. 
No, you're not a corporation. You're a slave. You don't have. Do you have bylaws? Can you put any bylaws? No, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about the the United States. That's correct. Okay, but, but it's common in our in our circles for people to not understand the legal meaning of the word person and think that. And I've asked this is my litmus test question for patriots because I'm not going to discuss a bunch of stuff with you if you don't know what you're talking about because I got to go back and reeducate you. Okay, and that's my litmus test question for patriots. What's the legal concept behind the meaning of the word person? And I've never had anybody in the United States answer correctly, and they always answered with the same incorrect answer, and that's a person is a corporation. So they're equating you as a corporation because it says person in these laws that they're applying to you, and that's not true because a person can be a corporation. It can be. It can also be a partnership, a trust, an individual, or all these other things. And those are called entities, okay? So a person legally is an entity to whom the law ascribes rights and duties. So if you're the person of the 14th Amendment, you're ascribed from birth civil rights under the 14th Amendment, and you owe the correlative duties such as income tax, adherence to agency regulations, etc., but that doesn't mean that you're not another person because you can be an individual and not have those responsibilities. That's right. Okay? So these are the fine points, and, and here's what our community doesn't understand is how they're doing this. So let's go into that a little bit first, all right? They're working on two levels. They're working on a colloquial level and a conceptual level. So let me, uh, let me illustrate what I'm talking about here for you. I just did it kind of with person, but let's do it with another thing called property. Okay. So Tim, you got a car outside that's paid for. Is that your property? Well, in my mind it is, but the uh the 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 powers that be have come along and said no and they're wanting to try to put me under their codes and statutes instead of under the law. Well, you volunteered for it. Yep, that's you true. Told them that's they true. Could do it. That's true. Okay. So here's the point I'm making. Colloquially, if I if Tim says yes, that's my car, everybody knows what we're talking about, and that's correct. Legally, it's not. Because property is a right of ownership in and to a thing, and the car is a thing. So property is a right, not an object. Does that make sense? Yep, yep, makes sense. Okay, so they're working on the conceptual level that we don't know what they're saying with these words that we're using in a colloquial level. Okay, now I'm going to take you back to James 1.8. James 1.8 says a double-minded man is uncertain in all of his ways. So what they're doing is they're making you double-minded. Okay, now the way they're doing that, and this there's a remedy here. It's the reason I'm going into it for you. Okay, because this is the way you get your sanity back okay. and get back into to reality. So. What is double-mindedness? Well, that is identified under a word called equivocation. You can go look it up, and I'd advise you to go look it up in an old Webster's Dictionary from the 1800s because it tells you the definition, and then in the, when I looked at it years ago, there's a footnote under there, and it says this trick is often used by non-Christians to fool Christians. How about that? This isn't anything new. Okay, except in their particular way of equivocation, they put the meaning exactly 180 degrees opposite. That's why everything is opposite. 
Everything in their whole scheme is based on this principle of assigning opposite definitions to words. Now, what they're doing is they're planting that opposite definition into your subconscious. Okay, 90% of your day is controlled by your subconscious. 10% is controlled by your consciousness. And they're planting this opposite definition in your subconscious, and that's what's making you double-minded. Okay? So if you want to alleviate that, you got to go over every one of these words and go back into your subconscious and assign the right definition. And every time you do that, you get a little slice of reality back. Here's another one, money. How often do all of us use the word money? Oh, every day. Okay, well, it's not money. It's debt. How can debt be money? That's right. Money's something positive. Debt's something negative. See, there's the equivocation. But they've got you convinced because you're using it in, according to your subconscious programming that it's money, so everybody thinks it's money. And subconsciously, it's not. Gold and silver, Bitcoin, et cetera, something real is money that has intrinsic value. Okay? So this is the trick they're using. All right? So if I was to ask you, Tim, um, a resident, is that where you live or, or what laws you're under? Or better yet, what definition are you imputing into the word resident? They want you to, to determine where you're living. No. They want you to, to tell them what system of law you're under. Aha. Okay. The term so when they say, when, you, when they ask you a question like, when you're a resident of South Carolina or were you a resident mm-hmm. in another state, they're saying, were you under that particular set of codes and standards that they set up, right? Well, not really. Okay. Because it doesn't apply to the states. Now you're, t- now you're dealing with federal citizenship. All right. Okay. So let's go over where resident comes from. Get some of this out of the way here. The way they're using the word. If you go into Webster's Dictionary, Tim, you don't have to go to a law library for this. Go to Webster's Collegiate Dictionary and look under the word resident. And you're going to find several different definitions. And the first one says the act or fact of living or dwelling in a place for some time. Pretty simple. That's the geographical definition. The second one is exactly the same. And it says the act or fact of living or dwelling in a place for some time for the receipt of a benefit or the discharge of a duty. That's legal. So you think they're asking you, where do I live? They're asking you, where do you receive your rights and owe your duties? That's which system of law are you under. Aha. Okay. Gotcha. Now, this goes back to ambassadorial law. That's where they're pulling this from. And the original usage of the word was when tra- countries trade ambassadors, and they do it with a treaty, okay? And so when the new ambassador is in D.C., he is in residence, isn't he? Hmm. Okay, so I'm in Ecuador. If the Ecuadorian ambassador gets caught at Dulles Airport with a kilo of cocaine in his diplomatic pouch, what do they do with him? I don't know about Ecuador. No, well, he's in D.C. Dulles oh, he's in D.C.? And he's got he's got he's a diplomat. I, I guess yeah. I'm assuming he's got immunity. Does he not? Do they not give him well, immunity? Well, they don't have to give him immunity. It was in the treaty because he's in residence. Okay, the laws right. of Ecuador apply to him. Ah, I get you. Okay, so they're going to put him on a plane back to Ecuador and let Ecuador deal with him because he's a resident. Got it. Okay, it's yep. confusing stuff. All right, and I understand that. Yeah, so. and you just got to sort it out. So, I but it's good that you it's good that you're making differentiation. I think this is this is part of where when we try to introduce some of these things. And and by the way, I, I tell people 
I don't know everything. This is why I have some guests on like yourself, because I'm looking to learn something, too. But I have learned a lot over the past year or so. So part of that is unlearning what we've been taught and then replacing it with with how shall I say this right doctrine or a right understanding about about what we're really in. Well, can I quote Mark Twain yep. for you? I'm going to paraphrase it a little. It ain't what I know that's killing me. It's what I know that ain't so. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Yep. And that puts it in a nutshell right there. There's a lot of misinformation, disinformation in our community. And I understand. I'm not pointing fingers. I understand that people have been perplexed because this is a very complex scheme they've taught up here that I'm going to show you how they do it. Okay? And so here's what happens. I'm reading the Constitution. And I see in there that we have admiralty law. And so I don't understand what they're doing to me. And it's in the Constitution there's admiralty law, so automatically we're under admiralty law. And they tell somebody, and because somebody that they knew more than they do told them, then from there on out it's gospel. And it's wrong. The only remedy in admiralty law is prize. That means I kick your butt and take your stuff. They don't do that. They have a specific process they follow. They're called self-help remedies. Now, Tim, you may not know what self-help remedies are, but if I tell you what they are, you'll know exactly. Lean, levy, garnishment, and seizure. Those don't come from admiralty law. They come from the Babylonian merchant code, called for thousands of years the law merchant, and now identified as the uniform commercial code. That's where they come from. Okay. That's what they're using. They're pirates. So the remedy tells you what system of law you're in. Yeah, they're under. They're, it sounds like they're almost under the law of pirates. Well, no, they're just under the law of feudalism, and you're their property. They got a property right into you. You can take your dog out back and do anything you want to it. You can feed it. You can shoot it. You can walk it around the park. You can do anything you want, right? Okay. Well, that's the same thing they're doing. Okay, here's the big picture, and I'm going to explain it to you, is we're dealing with feudalism. That's what nobody's ever understood. They brought in feudalism under the 14th Amendment, and they've done it so slick that if you didn't understand and have the kind of legal knowledge that my teacher had, and this is the reason the advantage I've got is I knew we were in feudalism. Nobody else understands that. Here's how they're doing that. Feudalism is the only body of law in the history of the world that assigned a political status at birth depending on where you're born, not who your parents were. Hmm. There's two ways of transferring hereditament. One is through blood, who your parents were, and you take on their political status. The other is through the 14th Amendment, and they even have a name for it internally called birthright citizenship. Anchor babies, does that ring a a bell? Okay, so um, a Mexican mom crosses the Rio Grande, has the baby. The baby's a citizen of the United States, and the moms and and dad are are Mexican nationals. Now, the only body of law that that was ever operable in was the feudal system. The feudal system had a history of over a 1,000 years. That's four times the amount of time our country's been around. It's got a very established body of law. 
Okay. And that's what they're bringing us in. They're using that one key element of the feudal system. And it was real important. And we can go into the feudal system. I'll explain how it worked, at least the basis of it. Okay. And, and they're using that from the feudal system. The reason it was so important in the feudal system was because they had two different types of serf on the manor. And one was involuntary, very akin to black slavery in our country. The other is voluntary servitude. And you volunteered into the condition, and you volunteered into a contract with the lord of the manor, and he attained a property right on you. And as you had children, the children were born into the same condition, but they got, because you were a property right, they were born into a property right. But you could have five generations on the manor, and the fifth generation, if they wanted to leave, could volunteer out. That's what we're exercising right there. Okay. All right. Now, let me right. ask you a question, because you mentioned right. the 14th Amendment. And we talk a lot about it. <clears throat> yeah, we've talked about Lincoln. We, we've said that he was basically America's hijacker. And some people say he's the greatest president ever was. Yeah, the greatest president to overthrow the Constitution and the rights of the people. But we call it the War of Northern Aggression down here in the South. Uh, but it's also referred to as the war to enslave the states. And that sounds to me like exactly what you're saying there. That was all to push the 14th. The, the 14th Amendment came in through after. And instead of freeing the, the slaves, so to speak, which everybody thinks the Emancipation Proclamation did, it actually, the 14th Amendment actually enslaved everybody. Is that right? It set up the situation that they could manipulate and enslave everyone. Better yet, try this title, The War to Bring in the Civil Law. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, we're going to talk a lot about that. Okay. So anyway, I'm just trying to get some basis here so we can continue forward and have some of these things taken care of. All right. I was going to, now, Tim, you said you didn't get a chance to listen to any of my stuff because you got company. Well, I forgot to send you that, that exhibit. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. We're so, fair. So we're even. Okay. Uh, and one of the things is really important. So I, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to give out the website address, and I'm going to ask your audience to go to it along with you. And I'm going to have you read this. This is from the State Department. And, and because if I told you, you might not believe it, and I want you to see it in front of your own eyes, okay? Because this is the most honest you're ever going to see these Babylonian bands. Okay. All right. So you want to go to travel.state.gov. .gov, all right. That's the State Department website. And up in the search field, I want you to put Certificate of Non-Citizen Nationality. Certificate of Non-Citizen Nationality. Now, a number of choices are going to pop up. Just hit the first one. Non-citizen Non-Citizen Nationality. Certificate of non citizen nationality all right let's see what we got all right just pick the first one okay now i'm going to tell you what this is while you're looking at it okay this is a state department policy document and it's basically saying that uh these american samoans there's two classes american samoans and swains island little bitty island if you look real close you might can see gilligan on there okay and so these non-citizen nationals have been asking us for this certificate of non-citizen nationality. We used to issue them, but you know, Tim, how budget conscious they are up there, and the cost of paper and the cost of ink has gotten so absorbent that they really suggest you just go apply for a passport. That's basically what it's saying there. 
Okay. But to set up the lie of non-citizen Samoans, and we'll get into that in a second, they have to tell the truth. And this is one of the rare instances you're going to see these bandits being totally truthful. Now, I want you to go to the third paragraph, and I'd like for you to read to your audience the first ten words. As defined by the INA, that's five, all U.S. citizens are U.S. nationals. Okay, that's good. The INA is the Immigration and Naturalization Act. So let me repeat it. According to the Immigration and Naturalization Act, all U.S. citizens are U.S. nationals. Isn't that what it says? That's what it says. Okay, I'm going to ask you some questions, Tim. Did you know you had a dual political status? I did not know that. Have you ever been asked if you're a U.S. national? I have not. Have you ever been asked if you're a citizen of the United States or a U.S. national? Yes. Oh, you have. Okay, well, that's unusual. That ha- Well, it happens on any time you get uh, the, the ATF form 4473. Right. It asks right. U.S. Na- uh, U.S. citizen, or if you're a U.S. national, you can check the same box. Right. Okay, well, there's two categories of nationals. This is part of their scheme, and I'll explain that to you. But if you answered all those questions, no. If you haven't been asked if you were a national, why not when they're in their own policy statement or equal? Would you say that's a lack of full disclosure? Sure. Okay. So let me ask you two questions. You've been asking them all your life. I know you're an honest guy, but I'm going to ask you to be honest with the audience. Okay. And tell us how you've answered them the whole, every time you've ever been asked. Are you a citizen of the United States? That's how I answer them, yes. Are you a resident? Not if I want to be free, but I have answered that I am a resident. I have answered that okay. a, a resident of okay. South Carolina. I don't know that I've ever answered it as a resident of the United States, but I have well, answered it as a resident of South Carolina. So I guess that's the uh, same thing, isn't it? It is. It ties okay. it in through the back door. Gotcha. We're talking about the residency of the 14th Amendment. Again, okay. we'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Right. So uh, then you signed something, didn't you? Uh, yes, I, well, on the form that I talked about a minute ago, yes, I do have to sign it. Okay, so when you answered those two questions, yes, I'm talking to the audience, I'm just using you as a prop. Sure. Okay. So, when you answered those two questions, not knowing what they are asking you, what you've done is given them consent to the fraud and telling them that you're in their jurisdiction and they can govern you. Gotcha, okay. So, they're not asking you correct questions and you don't understand here's the question they're asking you the first one are you a citizen of the united states that you and everybody else answers yes to is are you in the same political status as former black slaves who were given federal citizenship and civil rights after the civil war now would you answer yes (laughs) no i obviously i wouldn't think that but that is what they're asking isn't it it is exactly what they're asking now, when they're asking a resident, they're saying, are you one of the, you just told us you're a federal citizen. Are you one of the new federal citizens residing in the state of South Carolina asking for protection from the federal government against any actions from your state of South Carolina? That's what they're asking you. Mm. Okay. Now, okay. see, we don't know those, and we answer yes, and now they've got what they can't beg, borrow, or steal. And that's the consent of the governed. They got your permission. Gotcha. Gotcha. Boy, that's sneaky. Oh, you don't know. 
Okay, we're just covering the surface here, all right? This so is like the serpent beguiling Eve, isn't it? It's somewhat akin to that. Yep. Okay. And so that's the setup. Now, I'm uh, before the show's over, especially, Tim, because you're a Southern boy, okay? I'm going to show you, and I believe I can prove to you, that the Civil War was fought to get the 13th, the 14th Amendment in the Constitution so they could control the world with it 100 years later, which is what they're doing. I believe it. Okay. So this plan goes back a long way. All right. There's a lot of water under the bridge twixt then and now. But because it's the feudal system, we can volunteer out at any time and they can't say anything because it's their system. All right. Let's go back and press preface this a little bit. Go back to a body of law called Vittel's Law of Nations. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, yes, yes, I have. Okay, Vittel's Law of Nations for the audience that had was written in the 1700s by a guy named Vittel. Every country in the world signed on to it, okay? And in Vittel's Law of Nations, it makes this statement. Every man has the right of personal, political self-determination. What does that mean? That means you get to decide which set of laws you want to live under. Today, you can go take your slave passport and go, you got a, a real specific process. I got a great story about this, but we don't have time today. So you take and get another slave passport from another country. Then you do this procedure with the embassy, now pay thousands of dollars, and they have, you have to have another country's passport to trade it, and then they'll say you've expatriated. That's what you're doing. But we don't expatriate because there's two statuses in our country, just like they told you in that official policy statement from the State Department, okay? And so what we're doing is not expatriating. We're repatriating to the original state citizenship status that they couldn't do away with, that they've hidden from us by changing the label to national. So can I ask, let me ask a question about that. And please give your example, because we can go over if we need to go over a little bit today. But so when you're saying the state... Uh, national issue. So you're saying not go back, not to go to, are you saying to go to a U.S. nationalist? Or are you saying to go to, say for me, a South Carolina nationalist? Well, they're the same thing. They're the same thing? But, but my, my contention is they've gone to, when you start learning this, you're going to be amazed at the, uh, the what the trouble they've gone to to set this up to get yes answers to those two questions. Okay. So they have specific words that they've assigned a specific definition to that are the keys to the matrix. Why do you want to use American national, South Carolina national, whatever national, instead of their stated term, U.S. national or national? Because in using that term, now you got the key to the matrix. Using some other term may be accurate, but it's not their term and their documents. Okay. Me? Yep, I got you. Okay, so that's why this is, I stress. Yeah, let me use let me, their terms. Now that we know what the scam is and the right. scheme, and we know the definitions that's imputed in these key words, using them is the way for us to get out because they can't go in and change the definition now. Yeah. So, so this is kind of like what we talk, what we've been talking about before when we talk about when we go into court and stuff like that. We can use terms that we think we know what the definition is, but their definition is something else, and then we get in a lot of trouble. So it's, it's kind of the same thing. We got to use the proper de- proper term 
uh, that they've defined so that they understand exactly what we're saying to them, right? You're talking apples and apples then, okay. and then they can't deny. All they can do is stand mute, which is what they do, because they've been caught with their hands and that long nose of theirs in the cookie jar, and they've been caught cold, and they don't know what to do about it. I okay. promise you, they're scared to death of this, Okay. I've been helping people do this for 11 and a half years. Now, my understanding has increased dramatically over that period of time. But over 11 and a half years, this is what I would tell you. I have no idea how many people have filed this paperwork or what they filed. They don't get a hold of me. They just do it, most of them. Okay, But I do know this. If anybody had a problem in any area of their life because they'd filed this paperwork, would you agree with me, Tim, that they'd find a way to get hold of me? You would think so. Nobody has ever given me a phone call in 11 and a half years of any problem in any area of their life hmm. because they did this. Amen. That's a pretty good unblemished long-term track. I'd say so. Yes, sir. Okay. So if you got problems with this information, your problem isn't with me. Your problems with the Secretary of State and the Attorney General on why they're not prosecuting this frivolous, illegal activity. Because they're a part of it. Of course. And if you're doing something wrong, they ding you. And the fact that they stand mute and never even do anything, they got one little thing they do, shows you that this is correct. And then you go back to Vitell and you go, well, hold it. Yeah. What I am is my choice, not theirs. If they tell me what I am, it's open tyranny. So that's why they've gone to all this trouble to get, ask you those two questions you don't understand so you can agree with it and give them their consent. Yeah, this is um th this is interesting because I, I brought up Vitale Law of Nations when I was dealing with the whole birth certificate and natural-born citizen stuff like that. And as far as I know, he was the only guy who actually defined a natural-born citizen and I know the guys who were putting together the Constitution, they had three copies in their possession because Ben Franklin said they did. So they, they were aware of, of what the guy is talking about. So what is what is the real difference here between the citizen and the national? The citizen is the well, one under these weird this geez. weird construct of laws or alleged laws that are not what we talked about when we talk about the U.S. Constitution. Is that right? Well, you don't. The Fourteenth the Amendment is part of the Constitution, right? Yep. Well, you're under that. You're not under the rest of the Constitution. You don't have access to it. Okay. You get civil rights from the federal government. You don't get God-given rights to state citizens. And that's what you're doing when you file this paperwork. Is you're moving back over under that. In other words, what they hate worse than anything, Tim, is the common law because they can't beat it. Okay. They can do their process. There's only two body of laws in the world, law of the land and the law of the city. All of the other law, Islam, you mentioned Islam, Islam, the Roman civil code, Jewish law, all those fall under the law of the city, and they're all derived from the Babylonian merchant code. It's all based on contract. The law of nature and nature's God is concerned with the process and let the outcome be what it will. But we concentrate on the process of achieving the correct results. The laws of the city con con uh, concentrate on the result and adjust the process to achieve the result. That's so the ends justify the means kind of deal. Very Machiavellian. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, anyway, uh, let's go back and try and uh, 
you know, I, 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 these con, these interviews and 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 and, and things that I give vary because they vary on who I'm talking to and how we approach it. Okay, so let's go back here and simplify this for people. For the first ninety years of our country, there was only one status. It was a state citizen. Part of the loophole in the Constitution that they drove this eighteen wheeler through was that there was no federal citizenship. There was only one. And that was a state citizen under the Constitution. You received your God your laws from your our creator. So it says in the declaration, right? Yep. Okay. And so correlatively, legally, if we receive rights from somewhere, we owe correlative duties. All right. So you receive your rights from God. You were a state citizen first, and you were a citizen of the United States of America or a national second. What they did with the 14th Amendment is set up a secondary political status for D.C. and the federal zone, and they act as God, and they give the new federal citizen civil rights, so you get your your federal government, you're a citizen of the United States first instead of a state citizen in the other system, and secondly, you're a citizen of a state, but only if you reside. So the other one was God, state, country. This one is country, uh, uh, it's federal government, country, state. You see, they flipped them. Yep. Okay. And so that went along for a lot of time, number of decades in our country. It wasn't undone until 1954 with Brown versus Board of Education. But for a long time, there was two statuses, and those were called the Jim Crow laws. I know you're familiar with them. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, Jim Crow was a federal citizen, and the white guy was a state citizen. And all they did was trick us all into being in the secondary citizenship. And because they give you civil rights, they're your God. And you, with the feudal system hidden underneath this, they have a property right in you. You want to know how important this is, Tim? They can't build an administrative state of man-made bureaucratic regulations unless they've got a population to enforce them on. That's not called law anymore. It's called public policy. Mm. Mm. All right? I get it. Yep, I get it. Okay. So you're under public policy because you're a piece of property. So that gives them the ability to run the country with the administrative state. This is what Trump fought. This is what we're fighting today. In that intro you gave earlier, talking about, I won't wear a mask. I won't wear a mask. I won't wear a mask, right? But we just had a court decision down in Florida that said the CDC can enforce a mask mandate on you. Why? Because the regulation was not a notice and comment regulation, which applies to general applicability to the public at large and has to go through a very specific process called notice and comment. It was another type of regulation called an interpretive regulation, and it only applies to the CDC. Mm, That's why the judge ruled that way. So guess what else? Here, I got a little hole card for you. Guess what other agency only promulgates interpretive regulations? Uh, I, I, I'm assuming a lot of them do. Every well, one of them. Probably so. We're finding that out. Okay. The one I'm particularly interested in is, let me give you a hint, everybody's favorite agency. Uh, the IRS. They've never issued a regulation, promulgated is the word, 
They've never promulgated a regulation that was notice and comment with general applicability. They're all only applicable to IRS, and they enforce them on you because you don't know the difference. Interesting. That you know, then that, that brings me to to something that uh, I've been recently finding out um, in dealing with some stuff that I've dealt with. I was sharing with some people. I, I recently found out that we have people uh, acting in my county that I'm in, both the courthouse and the mastered equity, who are not. They don't have their their tax identity registered with the IRS as nonprofit. Which means they're presenting themselves as government, but they're in there for profit. They haven't registered as the other, yeah. which is a big no-no because my understanding is the IRS is happy to go audit them because they're going to get a lot of money for it. And they're happy to pay you for blowing the whistle on it and provide you protection, or at least that's what they say they will. But yeah, the, the, I, I get it. I get all of them probably yeah. are, are geared under that, and that's why we keep hearing this term keep coming up over and over and over. This is our policy. This is our policy. There's right. never really an appeal to law. And I think Ron made mention on the show about land patents that they want to get you under the rule of law, which is not law, it's their codes and statutes. So, Well, there's a big difference between lawful and legal. Sure, yep. Okay? Lawful is common law. Yep. Legal is merchant law, or any of the other. There's several other bodies, okay? So this is legalese. And what we're doing when you file this affidavit with the Secretary of State, and he's the head guy, you got to file it with him. This is why our community, all the 30 years I've been in it, have been trying to fight jurisdictional issues at the district court or state court level. And this is why nobody ever wins, because the only way you can change the jurisdiction is with the Secretary of State, because he's the federal official, the lord of the manor, if you will, in charge of all matters concerning citizenship. Now, that was told to me by the Secretary of State of the state of Florida. All right. Why is he that person? Why does he have that authority? You got to guess? Because the people gave him their consent. Nope. He's got that authority because from the start of the country, when we had 13 colonies, all the different, which were considered countries, okay, they couldn't afford to all have their own ambassador to France, the ambassador to China, ambassador to England for all the 13 colonies. So they gave the federal government some of these collective activities to represent them. And one of those was the Secretary of State is the guy responsible for issuing passports. If he's going to issue a passport, which is to identify you to a foreign country, he's got to know what your legal personality is, doesn't he? Yeah. That's why he's got the authority. Now, I'm going to tell you something that happened to me when I first started, back around that film March time. I was, I was a voracious reader. The internet wasn't out there then. It was, but it was in its fledgling stages. And so one of the first books I read was Eustace Mullins, Secrets of the Federal Reserve. And in that, and I used to read late at night, man. I mean, you know, I'd do anything to get this information, like some of you. Okay? And so I read in there something that just was so odd to me that it stuck in my subconscious, and I only came back 25 years later. <laughs> and, and the statement was, when they passed the Federal Reserve Act, the very first cabinet position they went after was the Secretary of State. Mm. Does, that, does that ring not true to you? Yeah, I think it is. I was going to ask you something about that as you go along. A friend gave me something that they're, they're basically protecting something there. That's why he put it this way. He said, they are a secret area. 
Yep. A secret area. And I, I don't know if you can you can expound on that, but that made oh, a lot geez. of sense when he was explaining some things to me about a double authenticated birth certificate and other things that go through the State well, Department as well. Okay, well, the big secret is they're overseeing the slavery of the country. That's the big secret. Yeah, the real human trafficking is every single person on the planet. Right. Yep. Okay. So anyway, back to our Secretary of State. I would have thought Eustace Mullins would have said the very first cabinet position they went after was Treasury. I mean, these you know who these people are. You know what their interests are. You'd think they'd go straight to the Treasury, wouldn't you? But they went to the Secretary of State? That guy deals with foreign countries and stuff. What did they go get that first for? Because he controls all matters concerning citizenship. And in 1913, they knew very well the trigger they were going to pull 20 years later with the bankruptcy and that they were going to throw everybody into this condition, which is what they did. Okay. Okay. And because I found the answer to this in the passport application in 2007. Now, I knew all this stuff before, but the confusion, as I look back and analyze it, I can identify it a little bit better. And it's what I told you early on, right before we got started, I think, is the trouble in our community is these people are using concepts, and they take the concept and they relabel it. And our people are not understanding the concept, and they're chasing whatever label is attached. That's why we've never made any progress, so to speak. Okay? So that's why I teach concepts. Learn the concepts. What do you know about feudal law? What do you know about feudalism? What do you know about Babylonian merchant code, how it operates? These are big concepts. And when you learn those, now you can go dig into the minutiae you understand what they're doing and you understand the fact that they're changing labels and let me give you an example okay if i was to say tim you're a non-resident alien as it applies to the tax code what would you say gosh that would that would just kind of mess with my head a non-resident right. and alien that's a, and that's exactly what they want to do <laughs> they've been doing okay? okay so let's approach this a different way i want to get your agreement on a couple of statements here if i could there's only two political statuses. You're either free or you're a slave. Would you agree with that? Yes. Okay. And freedom is God's plan and slavery is Satan's plan. Would That's you agree right. with that? Yes, sir. Okay. So if I was to go back, and now I lost my train of thought. If I was to go back. <laughs> two political statuses. Uh, okay, two political statuses. So if I was going to come back to you and say that, and I'd say, well, Okay, Tim, which are you, free or are you a slave? I'm free. Okay, well, tell me the things you can do without permission, a license, or a permit, if you're so free. I can speak. I can practice my, the... Well, no, you can't speak. Alex Jones couldn't speak in that trial. He didn't exert who he was, though. Well... Because this was, this was, he, yeah. he had attorneys and stuff to do that for him. He paid him a lot of money. Oh, I, I agree. But uh, this was something we went over in, on Friday. That that you're you're ex, ex, uh, oh, we're going to run out of time here, Roger. Let me hold you over a little bit. Let me close out the show and we'll hold you over it, and then we'll get to this part here in a second. Okay, guys, you can catch Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and uh, we'll be back with you in the morning. Commodore Diva Lynn Taylor will be with us uh, for Rotten of the Core Wednesday, and we'll talk to you then, and you'll see me stutter through the rest of these con- uh, questions if you want to uh, catch us on SonsLibertyMedia.com with Roger Sales. Talk to you then.
Okay. All right. I want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio. And uh, Roger, uh, you got me in the middle of a tongue-tied thing, and you're asking me these questions. So let's go back, ask that question again, and we'll give it a shot. Okay. I ask if you there's two positions you're free or you're a slave. You agreed to that. And so I ask you which one you were, and you said you're free. So my question is, tell, tell me the things you can do without a license, a permit, or permission. And you said you can speak. But, yeah, you can speak, but if you go up to D.C., they corner you in a little free speech zone where nobody can hear you, okay? So if if you're so free, then why can't you do those things? Because you've submitted to it. Okay. Well, well all right. I mean, you, ha- you so, have. You've given your consent. We talked about that a minute ago, yeah, right? That's right, but most people don't know that. Okay. So we haven't covered that with them yet. So if the people go, I'm a slave, because they know they're in servitude, and you come back and go, well, would you like me to show you how they did it and how to get out of it? Of course. Okay. Well, that's what we're going to do. Now, and as I told can you, I look, ask you, you a question? You can't cover this stuff, especially in this dialogue. Yep. You can't cover it in two hours. No. We'll, and we'll, we'll hours. look, Roger. We'll we'll bring you back. I, I don't mind bringing you back, and we can get, we can pick right up. I mean, I got. I got all, all kinds of time that we can do shows like this because I think it's beneficial to me. It's beneficial to the people who are hearing. Uh, and my audience will tell you that a lot of times I either bring, I only bring people on for really two reasons. They're doing the stuff out there and we want to encourage them in that, or it's to learn something. And I mean, I'm the one learning. And if the audience learns from that, that's great. But it's basically f- for me to learn. So I'm, I'm learning in the process here. So let me ask you a question about that. All right. If okay. I say, Robert Sales, are you free or are you a slave? Right. Well, I'm going to tell you I'm free. Okay. So if you go to D.C. and you want to talk, do they put you in the corner? Or do you, do you have something that you do there? Well, well they might try, but I'd say okay. I'm a national and those regulations don't apply to me. Sorry. Okay. So what progresses from that? I mean, do they end up arresting you? You have to go to court and you have to stand well, up and do those well, exercises? I, it's, it's a hypothetical thing. Sure, Supposedly, sure. they shouldn't be able to bring you into court because the only jurisdiction they've got to bring charges of people to bring you to court is over citizens of the United States and residents. Gotcha. And if okay. you're not one of those, you're not going to be there. I get They it. don't want this information in court. All right. Got it. I promise you. Yep. Got it. So this is what, what, I, what I've come to understand is once you're dancing with these people, so to speak, it's really difficult to beat them because you're already in their ballpark. So the way to beat them is to figure out what they're doing and do a preemptive strike and tell them they don't have any authority over you, and that's what we do. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Okay. And so uh, I'm trying to figure out where to go from here in our, in our presentation. Let me tell the audience this. Um, if if you're titillated by this, if it resonates with you at all, um, Tim's got my, I got two websites, but the one with the information you're going to want to go to is thematrixdocs.com. That's D-O-C-S.com. There's a number of interviews on there that are very good because I was able to cover all the key points. There's a lot of examples of documents, such as an affidavit to file with the Secretary of State. There's a couple of documents called How To, the How to Escape the Matrix, How to File a National Affidavit. They're on there, too. There's some exhibits at the bottom. So if this interests you, go spend some time. And I would suggest the first interviews you listen to are Deanna Spingola and Tom D. Now, those are both RBN people. I'm on RBN Sunday night. I took Ralph Winterout's special over there when he passed. 
But those two interviews I thought were particularly good. And and if you'll go back and listen to those, I think you'll get a much better idea because I was able to cover the right amount of ground, you know. In fact, Tom knocked all the commercials out for two hours on RBN so we could cover all this. Nice. Tom D. Tom D's running RBN now since Statmiller passed. And Tom D's been studying this stuff ten years longer than I have. He used to know Irwin Schiff. Okay. And so finally somebody got to him and he opened up and listened to me because, you know, you hear people say, oh, this guy's got the answer. This guy's got the answer, right? Well, I do have the answer, okay? And once we got Tom down where he could sit and listen to it and he goes, I've been looking for this for 40 years. So that's what you're going to get in that interview. Um, let's go back. Let's go back to the 14th. The 13th Amendment is the one that's always left out. The 13th Amendment is almost more critical than the 14th Amendment. But let's look at those two together. And here I'm going to show you, Tim, I think I can prove to you that the Civil War was fought to get these amendments into the Constitution. First of all, they had to get rid of the old 13th Amendment, which outlawed titles of nobility in Congress. Because the guy that introduced the 14th Amendment was a railroad lawyer from Ohio. It was called the Civil Rights Act of 1866. Okay. And so the 13th Amendment was passed in June of that year, and they let all the Southern legislators back in to vote on it. Did you know that? I did, yeah. Okay. Six months later, when they passed the 14th Amendment, they wouldn't let them in. So it really wasn't legally passed, was it? Right. Okay. So something is in that 14th Amendment that is different from that 13th Amendment, isn't it? Obviously. Yeah, sure. Okay. All right, so let's go over the 13th Amendment. I'm going to do it from memory here, so paraphrase it. I can read it for you if you'd like. Please. Uh, Amendment 13, Section 1, is neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. And Section 2 says... Congress shall have power. There's a word in there. There's a word in there. Subject to their jurisdiction. Their Their jurisdiction. jurisdiction. Plural. Yep. United States is federal. It's singular. Yep. This is aimed at the states. Yeah. This is how they're going to get state citizens into federal jurisdiction is the setup of the 13th Amendment. Hmm. Now, tell me, look, I don't care about 2 13. I care about what you read. Okay. Now, what's missing in there? You know, there's a concept called legal by omission, right? If it's not expressly outlaws, it's okay. Okay? Okay. So what don't you see in that 13th Amendment? Uh, you, know when you, you know when you got that white piece of paper with the words in black fly written on it and people stick it in front of you and you can't see it? Yeah. That's what's going on here. Okay. All right. So what don't you see in the 13th Amendment? What don't I see? How about voluntary servitude? Yeah, because it says involuntary servitude. That's correct. Now, granted, earlier in the Constitution, there's a clause that says you can't impair the ability to contract, and going into voluntary servitude is a contract. But that phrase is expressly not there. Okay. So now let's go to the 14th Amendment. I don't have to have you read this. We only deal with okay, the first clause. Sure. All persons born or naturalized in the United States, comma, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof, comma, 
are citizens of the United States and the state wherein they reside. Isn't that what it says? That's what it says. Okay, so what do we got dealing with here? First well, of all, yeah, you just had you just had them in, you just had them pull all the people in who were citizens of their state or their nationals of their state. You got them pulling them up under the United States. Well, that's not right because it's only the word "person" is a legal term, not a general term. Hmm. All let's put that in there. All legal persons born or naturalized in the United States. Notice it doesn't say the United States of America. This is federal citizenship, comma are citizens of the United States, and, and comma, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. Now, the 13th Amendment you just read said their jurisdictions, plural. The 14th Amendment says subject to the jurisdiction thereof, singular. And this is 1868. The, 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 federal, uh, the federal government wasn't even incorporated till 1871, and it's sitting there saying subject to the jurisdiction thereof. Now, note, it doesn't say this. All persons born or naturalized in the United States are subject to the jurisdiction thereof, does it? It says and. And, yeah, it's assumed. Okay. Well, there's, what you're dealing with here is a two-pronged legal test. Okay. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna show you right now they knew what they were doing a hundred and some odd years ago before the Civil War started. Okay. So all persons born or naturalized in the United States. That's the first prong of the legal test. So you got to be a legal person, which means you receive your rights from the Fourteenth Amendment and you owe correlative duties, your federal citizenship. And you gotta be born or naturalized in the United States. And then the second prong is and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. So there's a second thing that's got to happen to make you subject to this federal citizenship. Isn't that right? Do you follow me? I'm following you. Okay. So what's the test and subject to the jurisdiction thereof? Well, the rest of the first clause says, if you do, you're a citizen of the United States and the state wherein you reside. Mm. Well, ho, those are the two questions they're asking a hundred and something years later. Are you a citizen of the United States? Are you a resident? And you go, yeah, well, Tim ought to know what he is. He just told us he's subject to the jurisdiction thereof, so I guess he's a federal serf. Hmm. Hmm. They knew what they were doing before the Civil War started. I, this, is, this is part of, the, uh, now you're giving me very detail, but this is part of what I was suspecting of why the guys wanted to secede from the Union in the first place. It wasn't, this wasn't over slavery, I knew that, but there was a lot of other things that were going on. But right. I, I imagine some guys saw this coming and that's why they wanted out. Well. They they set the Civil War up through the taxation mechanism. The South was a great burden because they had to pay. They were, they were the business generator of the country with cotton and produce. And so what they did was they loaded them up on expost and impost and excise taxes. That's why the false flag that started, it was a false flag, that started the Civil War was done in your state down there at Fort Sumter. Okay? Because that was a federal impost excise post. Okay? And so, yes, they use that as an excuse the same way that they're using an excuse for sanctions with Russia today to try and start World War III in the Ukraine. They do the same thing over and over and over again. And the reason they do that is because it's always worked. And yet that becomes a liability because they become somewhat predictable because they do things over and over again.
Okay. All right. So there's the gist of it right there. So what they've done, they had to go through a number of steps. I tell people, look, they set these major things up with two steps. They, they cock the gun and they pull the trigger because they can't do it all at once or it becomes too obvious. It's too big a change. Okay. So here they cock the gun, but this was such a big change that they had to do a number of things that betwixt and between. One thing is they had to get the Federal Reserve Act passed to get control of the money. And they have to have set up everything backwards because they execute it frontwards. That makes sense. Like a domino guy that sets up one of those long domino things and they press the front domino and they all end up falling. Well, they set that up backwards so they can press the one in the front and get everything to fall. Right. And that's the same way, same thing here. Okay. okay. So they had to get the Federal Reserve Act passed because they were going to get control of the monetary system. And then they had to do, oh, they had to get some, then they had to get the bankruptcy. And that's when the system changed, March the 9th of 1933. 33, yep. Are you familiar with Eugene Schroeder's work, Trading with the Enemy Act? I'm not, but I am familiar uh, somewhat with the with the bankruptcy thing because I had to get the certified copies to deal with something in court to show what they were doing with the money system and the bankruptcy there that we don't have actual constitutional what if you want to call it money we don't have constitutional gold and silver let's put it that way we've got debt notes that you get that they have printed already with interest on them so they're debt and you think that you're paying your debt with other debt as the no, old you're saying, not paying your debt, you're not paying it. You're discharging. Yeah, you're discharging. So, so it comes out. Uh, what was the old saying that I had? Um, I'd have to pull it up here real quickly. But I think it. I think it was a good thing that I learned uh, from a gentleman, and it was. It was this: um, <clears throat> gold is the money of kings, silver is the money of gentlemen, barter is the money of peasants, and debt is the money of slaves. Slaves. Well, that's right. Yeah. But I'm going to show you, you're the collateral for that. Yeah, I already know that. I do understand that part. I do get that okay, part. Well, you probably don't understand how they get there, but we'll go over it, okay? okay? Sure. So back to where I was a minute ago. Let's go back to March the 9th, 1933. You can go to Black's Law Dictionary and look up the banking holiday in 1933. Have you ever read that, Tim? I've not. I'm not. That's good. That's a good entry to go read. Okay, and it says the banks closed for five days. I'm paraphrasing. The banks closed for five days, and they reopened under regulations promulgated by the Secretary of the Treasury. Hold it. We didn't have regulations before 1933. We had Constitution and Cabinet offices. We didn't have administrative agencies. And by the way, if you go look. There wasn't a Secretary of the Treasury before 1933. There was a Treasurer of the United States of America, but there wasn't a Secretary of the Treasury. So you got a new office, new thing called regulations here at this March the 9th, 33 turning point. Okay, but let's look at this from another direction. Let's look at it. First of all, I want to go back and plug Gene Schroeder, Eugene Schroeder. Back in the 90s, he's a veterinarian from eastern Colorado, and he wrote a very, did a bunch of very fine research called the Trading with the Enemies Act. You can look at it, okay? Go study it. And it was all about the bankruptcy. Do you know about the Trading with the Enemies Act, though, Tim? Because it's very important. I'm not as familiar with that, no. Okay. Well, that was originally legislative passed in 1917 in World War I. And the enemy was the Germans. And they pulled that exact legislation forward in 1933 and took out Germans and substituted citizens of the United States. 
you've wow. been their enemy since March the 9th of 33 when the system flipped. Now, let's go back. I'm going to prove to you it flipped. Let's not look at it with any of that stuff. Let's look at it under this two-tiered thing that we mentioned earlier called property. So we learned that property is a right and the object is a thing legally, right? Before yep. 33, we had gold and silver, right? Because we were free people and because no one had a property right in us, we could buy things and own them and pay for them with real money. After March 9th, 33, they switched it to the paper. So now, because you're in a condition of servitude and they have a property right in you, you can only discharge your debt with other debts, and you can't own anything, but you can control it. That's why your car has a certificate of title on it. That's why your house, if it's paid for and you don't pay your property taxes, be sold on the courthouse steps. Because you can't, property can't own property. Now, you just had Ron Gibson on for a couple of days, right? Yes. I had Ron Gibson on my show a couple of years ago, too. And I told him this. And he laughed. Actually, my student that knew him told him that. And he laughed. Property can't own property. But I just had another student that flew out to Oregon to sit with him for just in the last 10 days. And Ron Gibson is now advising people to become nationals before he puts them through his process. Mm. In the past, when he was on my show two years ago, it was astounding to me that he could take a serf citizen of the United States and get them a loyal property title. So it must change your status when you have the ability to own free land automatically or else property couldn't own property. Yeah, with me? That makes sense. Okay. Well, now Ron's adjusted that. I don't know how much... He knows about the rest of what we do. Well, praise God. You know, have- can I let me let me speak to that just saying. Praise God. There, there's you know, it, it's just like in the in in the in the Christian life. I tell people all the time. I said there are people who are, you know, are more mature. They have more understanding in certain areas than others, and some of their brothers and sisters have it. And I think that's why the Bible says that we're like iron sharpening iron. You know, Ron's got his thing on the land patent. He's got that down. And then you've got these other things and you come along and you help one another in that. I think that's a good thing. That's how the body's no, supposed agree. to be working together anyway. I agree. Well, that's what we do on my show. I got a daily show six days a week. Now I just started a Saturday show 11 to one Eastern time. It's over on Euro folk radio, Euro folk radio, all one word, Eurofolkradio.com. Well, we use instead of zoom, like you're using here, we use Jitsi. Uh, which would I have sometimes 80, 80 plus people on the board. We can all talk and all communicate. Wow. And it's, it's a conversational deal. And it's mainly for new students because this is very confusing to people. And I understand that. Okay. And so we can get on there and have group discussions on these real fine points. And a lot of times, some of my better students will bring something to the, to the discussion that I hadn't thought of, you know. So that's our format and the way we do things. And it's all for new people so we can get your questions answered so you can get the self confidence, should you choose to, to move forward. Whether you want to be free or not, your decision. It's not my decision. It's like your relationship with your God. That's a personal decision, and your relationship with your government is a personal decision, too. We find out. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to what happens here. Uh, maybe I can shed some light on a few things for you. You mentioned birth certificate earlier. Okay. A big topic today on our show, by the way. Um, I had a real good student that heard me on Joyce Riley years ago. 
and uh, caught me after I developed a little bit better in my own show. And he was a, a four-year scholarship, full boat scholarship, University of Texas defensive back. And he's, he's fearless. Okay. Well, he got onto this and he'd moved to Idaho. And I was talking about getting, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll skip that. After he moved from Idaho back to Texas, he got hung up on this birth certificate issue. And he's got two daughters, and they were both born in the same hospital. And so I'm relating the story he told us, okay? And so Brian is his name. He he dresses up in cutoffs and a T-shirt and flip-flops. He's got his two daughters in tow. And he takes them down to the hospital and goes up to the administrative floor, top floor. And he starts asking the lady questions about the birth certificate, asking questions. And she hems and haws around. And she finally goes back in the records and pulls, brings forth this document called the verification of facts. And it's got the child's information, how it weight, hair color, eyes, all that stuff. And at the bottom, there's places for the mother and the father to sign it, and it's not signed. And so he keeps asking her questions, and she finally gets aggravated with him. He goes, look, why don't you go? I'm going to send you down to the basement where they do all this stuff. You can ask them down there. Oh, okay. So little daughter's in tow, goes down to the third basement, goes up to the office desk. Same story. Hey, this is story. His cover story was good. He said, I'm building folders for my daughters of important information from when they're born in youth so that if they ever need them later in life, they can have them to refer to. That's a pretty good cover story, right? And so he tells the lady in the basement the cover story, and she goes, wait a minute. And she goes off for 10 minutes and comes back, and the first words out of her mouth are, you're not going to hold anything I tell you against us, are you? What? Goes, you're not going to hold anything I tell you against us, are you? <laughs> and he, no, I'd never do anything like that. Okay. And so she goes and tells him the process. All right. So here's the process. When a baby is born, they fill out a verification of facts. It's never signed by the parents because unbeknownst to the parents, they're in feudalism. They're voluntary serfs. In feudalism, if you had a child because they had an object of property right in you, and just like your cow and your bull out in the back pasture, and they have a calf whose property is the calf, same, same principle. Okay? So when the baby's born, this is assigned at birth, all persons born or naturalized. So either way, if you're born in the U.S. or you're naturalized, this happens to you. These civil rights and this federal citizenship are assigned to you, okay? At birth, when you're supposed to be born with God-given rights from your creator, as soon as you come out of mama's birth canal, they throw a blanket over it and separate you from those rights, put in, in with fraud, this in, in surety for the bankruptcy, fraudulent bankruptcy you're now in servitude and that's the property right they own in you okay now they take that verification of facts unsigned and they take it over to the computer terminal that's provided for every hospital in the country by the federal government and they type that information a very crude operating system maybe even just dos Okay, They type that into the computer, and they send it to the Bureau of Vital Statistics. The Bureau of Vital Statistics prints the birth certificate. Tim, you're sitting down, aren't you? No, I stand. Okay, you might want to sit down. For this <laughs> okay. 
when they print the birth certificate, it's deposited in a bank safe with armed guards 24 hours a day. That I do know. Yep. Okay. Why? Because it's worth a lot of money. It's a bond, as as it were. Mm, no. It's a commercial document called a warehouse receipt. Hmm. Now, a warehouse receipt has legitimate usages. It's That's a secondary. First of all, it's supposed to give the information of your birth. Underneath, they're using it as a warehouse receipt. Now, a warehouse receipt has some very unusual qualities in, in merchant law. Let's go back to uh, 1800s and say, well, down there in Charleston. Okay. So you get bales of cotton down there at the wharf in Charleston Harbor, right? Well, they don't want to take a 100-plus bale of cotton and put it on somebody's shoulders and have them schlep it around town to sell it, do they? Right. They want to write a warehouse receipt for it. And the warehouse receipt now, as an old court case in the 1700s said, the warehouse receipt takes on the quality of the good, and the good now takes on a shadowy existence. In other words, the paper becomes the good. If it represented a bale of cotton, the paper's the bale of cotton. Even though the bale of cotton is over in a warehouse, the paper represents and becomes the cotton. Now, remember when John Corzine, MF Global, here about, I don't know, 10, back in 08, kind of? John Corzine, the big Goldman Sachs guy, governor of New Jersey, senator, all that stuff. And he started a company called MF Global, and he co-mingled some of his receipts because he got caught in a downturn of Russian bonds and short on capital. And so every even Gerald Salenti had gold in there. He was screaming about it for a while. Okay. Well, I'm open up. I get up one morning and I open up the computer. I'm looking at news stories. And here's a story from some guys at the Merck. You know what the Merck is? The Chicago Mercantile Exchange right. for commodities. And here's these guys going, Corzine couldn't have stolen the gold. We've got the warehouse receipt. So now the warehouse receipt in the form of a birth certificate represents you. That's why they put it in a bank safe with armed guards. That's why they call it the straw man. Well, it's not a straw man. You're a serf. Okay? It's, yep. You're either free or you're slave. There's no straw man in there. Okay? More patriot stuff. You need to unlearn that stuff, okay. Tim. All right. Okay? So they take the warehouse receipt now, and they go attach it to the bonds. It's not a bond. It's attached to the bond because it represents you and your future labor. The bonds are what runs the country. Income tax, not one nickel of your income tax, goes to the day-to-day -day running of the country. It does go to the coupon payment of the bondholders. By the way, isn't bond the root word of bondage? It is. Okay. So there's the system, and that's the integral part of the IRS. It's to be able to get your future. They're collateralizing your future income because they've got a property right in you. And the IRS comes and extracts your property, your money, your currency, to go pay the bondholders their coupon payments. That's the system. Okay. I've never heard anybody figure it out before, really. You hear, how many people do you make here make this comment? They make money out of thin air. Ron Paul 
who all else, everybody, yeah, uses that phrase. Well, they, you ever know bankers that lend trillions of dollars without collateral and compound interest? No. Okay. Well, how are they making it out of thin air then? Yeah, we're, I think what what they're saying is they're not having it backed by gold and silver, but then they're not bringing. By you. But they're it's not backed. bringing. That's what I'm saying. They're not bringing it. That this backed by us and our labor. That's correct. And right. it's backed by your future labor, right. not your current labor. See, how do they control everything? How do they control all the stock market? How do they control and suppress the gold market? How do they control and suppress the silver market? Through naked future shorts. Everything they do is future because if you control the future, you control the present. Does that make sense? Yep, I get it. Okay, so that's what's going on, okay? You're born into this condition because of this fraudulent bankruptcy where they switched the system and they brought all the feudalism system in where they've got a property right in you forward from March the 9th, 1933. And everybody that's been born subsequently was born into that condition. But because it's the feudal system and it's voluntary servitude, you can volunteer out at any time. That's why they recognize this. Okay, what about the feudal system? Let's go over that a little bit. Um, the feudal system developed out of the downfall of Rome, particularly the Western Empire that went over to Spain. Because along the road between Italy and Spain was along the Mediterranean, they had different towns there. And when the Goths and the Visigoths came down to destroy Rome and fight them, they would take and cut off the roads and put those towns under siege. Well, the people that understood what was happening wanted to get out before their town was put under siege. They had two choices. They could jump in the Mediterranean or else they could go inland. Now, most of the land was owned by successful German, uh, uh, Rome, excuse me, Roman generals and probably some politicians, too. And so the people would go up into the land and they'd go to the big house and they go, the Goths and the Visigoths are after us. We need protection. And the Lord, uh, the guy that owned the land, go, okay, that sounds like a pretty good deal. I'll tell you what, you give me allegiance, and I'll give you protection. Allegiance for protection, protection for allegiance. That's the basis of jurisdiction. It comes from the feudal system. How many, have you seen movies, Tim, where you see these guys, and they, they take their fist and beat it on their chest and go, yes, my liege, yes, my liege. Yep. You ever seen that? Yep. Well, that's what this is. It's the relationship between a liege man and a liege lord. And it's, it's unbending, and it's unaffected by time and space, as they say in a Supreme Court case in the U.S. But it's that reciprocal agreement, protection for allegiance, allegiance for protection, that governs jurisdiction. In that, in that State Department policy document I had you bring up earlier, underneath that document they have some verbiage under there. Okay, and then they cite one site out of the INA. Okay, and it's, I can tell you where it comes from. It comes from the Nationality Act of 1940, which is where they set this up, the change. Okay, and in the Nationality Act of 1940, it's in the statutes at large. It's not in the code. It's, it's not in the regulations. It's over in the real laws of the U.S. And they have, they say the Nationality Act of 1940, and then they list a number of definitions under A, B, C, D, E. And the very first one says a national owes total allegiance to a small s state. Does that tell you anything? 
Mm-hmm. Okay, allegiance for protection, protection for allegiance. Right. A national owes allegiance to a small s state, not a capital s federal state, a small s. So automatically, the state owes you protection. Well, I guess that means you're a state citizen, doesn't it? That's what it sounds like. That's what exactly what it says. Okay. So that's what's going on here. Now, can they I ask you could, something? Let, let me yeah. ask you something about that. Because I'm, 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 I personally, I have a real problem with the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah, um, some people do. Why it was, does, does it was that written by a? It was written by a communist. Yes, sure I don't it know was. Why you'd have problems? With well, it. that's and and it, it mimics everything we see over in Nazi Germany too. I mean, when they first put it out, the, the the American children were holding their hands out like Hitler was. Now, then they told them to put it over the heart. But I don't see anywhere in Scripture as a believer. I don't see where I'm supposed to be pledging my allegiance to anybody but but the King Jesus. That's it. Um, okay. So. But there's things in there when you say the allegiance and the protection. It seems like that's that's re, uh, reiterating that within us that what's going on. Now, in the patriot community, we rephrase that, and you would probably recognize this if you receive the benefit, you owe the duty. Same thing, just different words. Okay. okay. And so, in our story back to the feudal system, that's how the feudal system developed. And there were, there were very few countries back then. Remember, this is a thousand years of legal precedent, okay? And so there weren't any countries back then, and the countries were the manors and the big landholders, all right? And so they had a distinct problem. First of all, they were probably scared of the adjacent landowner coming and stealing some of their manor. So they needed protection. And so they also needed people to work and tend the farm. Lord of the manor wasn't going to go out and do all that, all right? So they get serfs. Now, there's two types of serfs, as I alluded to earlier, involuntary serf and voluntary serf. The involuntary serf is very akin to black slavery in our country, okay? But there's one little facet that's really interesting. There's only one way you could get out of involuntary servitude, only one. And that was if your father, if you were a bastard. Because if you were a bastard, there was always a chance, no matter how slim, that you were fathered by the Lord of the manor. Okay. And that one fact alone would get you out, and that's the only thing that gets you out, I guess, outside of running away. Okay. Now, the other way, and most of the serfs were not in that involuntary servitude, because that meant going out and buying slaves from the Jewish slave trader. And they were in that. This is a Jewish profession. It goes all the way back to Babylon. Okay. And so they would opt to have people in voluntary servitude. And what that meant, I'll give you the example. Let's say you're in jolly old England down there, and it's hard. There's inflation, even though the king says there's no inflation. You can't feed your family, and so you come to the decision, well, i got to go volunteer in servitude. So you go out to the manor, and you go, hey, Lord, I want to volunteer in servitude. Well, good, i got 40 acres and a mule for you over there. And so, but the formality of it was called an oath of fealty. Have you ever heard of that, Tim? An oath of fealty? I've heard of it. It's sounding somewhat like uh, what would happen if a person was in debt in the Old Testament, and they would they would give themselves over as a slave to pay for that debt. It sounds very similar. Well, you'd be in bond servant. Yeah. Okay, well, here, your debt is that he's going to give you something, and you've got to volunteer into it and make the property right out of yourself. So an oath of fealty, and I encourage your audience to go look this stuff up. 
Okay. And when you do see, it's not some guy telling you on the radio. It's I went and looked at this, man. Look at this. Okay. So that's why you make the information yours. And that's what I encourage people to do. Don't take my word for anything. Okay. And so if you go and look in the voluntary servitude was commenced with what's called an oath of fealty. If you ever watched Monty Python's Holy Grail, they had an oath of fealty in that movie. Okay. But you can go read about it. And what it was, was you'd go in, in a ceremony. It was a ceremony. Actually, it's a contract. Okay. Again, contract. And the Lord of the manor would stand. You would kneel on both knees. You know what that signifies. You'd uh, kneel on both knees before the Lord of the manor. You put your hand above your head as if you were praying. He would put his hands over your hands. And all the other serfs on the manor would be witnesses to the ceremony because they're watching it. And the oath of fealty was, I pledge my body and all my worldly goods to the Lord of the manor. Well, you're pledging your body to him. You're pledging him making yourself property, aren't you? Absolutely. Okay. And the reason you pledge all your worldly goods is because property can't own property. And now you pledge that to the Lord of the manor too, although you can probably still use some of them. All right. Now you're in a condition of voluntary servitude in a contractual contract that runs silently. That's why all our people are, oh, I signed a social security. Oh, I did this. Oh, I did that. That's what got me into the system. No. What got you into the system was assigned this political status at birth. The birth certificate represents and verifies it. Okay. So that's what's going on here. All right. And because it's voluntary servitude, it's a silent contract that runs generationally. But even five generations down the line, you can volunteer out even though you weren't the one that entered into the contract. And they've got to recognize this because this is their system. They're the ones that imposed this on us. Okay. Okay. And so, very key. Now, in the feudal system, the male was called a villain and the female was called a knave. And it's a little different because if you go into Black's Law Dictionary and try and look up villain, you're not going to find it. But if you go in and look up villain... You'll find it. V-I-L-L-E-I-N. V-I-L-L-E-I-N. And there's a number of different types of villains you're going to find in there. And one of them is a villain regardant. And the definition says, a villain attached to the land, property, and transferable by deed. Birth certificate. Okay. Got it? Yep. Okay. So uh, there's a number of other ones in there, too. But that's what we're doing. Now, the reason that's the way it is, let me give you some background here. Uh, Feudalism developed on Europe, the continent of Europe. And in 1066, the Duke of Normandy came over and conquered King Harold at the Battle of Hastings. William the Conqueror. And when he conquered uh, uh, Harold... He brought in all the European common law and overlaid it over the Anglo-Saxon common law, and it became the English common law. And in the French common law, the European common law he brought up, brought over, feudalism existed. It was never existed in England before 1066. 
You want you know, you're a, obviously a godly man, Tim. This is very interesting. In that battle, Harold was winning. William the Conqueror on the beaches was losing. And one of his archers had one arrow left. And he shot it into the sky. And it came down and hit King Harold in the eye. Interesting. Drop, dropped him on the spot. Wow. His soldiers freaked out and ran. And William the Conqueror took over England and changed the world on one arrow. Amazing. It is. Okay. So that's the system that we're in. And they imposed it via this one important attribute of assigning a political status at birth, depending on where you're born and not who your parents were. Now, this applies today. You know, if you're uh, even if you're a citizen of the United States and you've got lineage that's German, Italian, Spanish, and I think Polish, probably others, but I know those four. You can go back on your grandparents, give them paperwork and show them the lineage. And they'll give you a Polish passport, Spanish passport, Italian passport. That's because those countries follow the law of inheritance of status through the blood, not where you're born. That's why you people can do that. Okay, And those are the two great systems. You're either assigned your political status by blood. It's called just sanguineous. And the other is just tierra, which is where you're born, which is what we're dealing with here. Okay. All right. So let's let's ask a question because here's what I want to let me ask you this right now. Um, obviously, there's a there's a lot of stuff and I love learning the history too, the, the these history lessons, too, because I think they help us to understand, you know, the old saying is if we don't know where we've been, we don't know where we're going and we don't we know who we are uh, and those kind of things. And so I think these history lessons are really helpful for us, at least for me, they are. They're critical. Yeah. So so why don't we do this? Let's see if we can bring you back. Like, I don't know if we can do something tomorrow. I don't know if you have time tomorrow, and I can pre-record it, and we can play it like on Thursday or Friday, or we can do it Thursday and play it on Friday, whatever, and pick up some of this. What is the what is the key here? Because I don't want people to think, <clears throat> I know there's some paperwork to fill out, and if you want to take people through that here shortly, that's fine. Um, that. Yeah, so that the, the, but the paperwork is the easy part, because they've got to be able to stand on this. They, they can't, right. because otherwise they're going to be the double-minded man. They're going to say, well, I filled out the paperwork, okay, and then they're going to ask questions. And as I'm learning about some of the things that I've learned with court and stuff, if you say, I'm familiar with this, I understand this, and they ask you a question to explain it back, and you can't do it, they'll get you for perjury, and you get yourself in a lot of trouble. So okay. the, I want people to understand that whatever you're fixing to tell them about the paperwork of changing the political status they're going to have to be able to stand on on their own two feet. They're going to have to mm -hmm. understand why these things are and what they're asserting right. and all this kind of stuff. So if you right. can reiterate that and then kind of take mm -hmm. them, take us down the road of of how to change this political status. Let me uh, let me give you the words of a very very wise jurist. Uh, he never made it to the Supreme Court because he's too good, probably. Uh, and he may not. I think he was an appellate level judge, and he never he didn't have. He wasn't the West best known judge, but he darn sure had the best name. And his name was Judge Learned Hand. Have you ever heard of him? I've not. Judge Learned Hand. What a name. Huh? And in one of his decisions, he, I'm going to paraphrase again, and he says, to claim one's rights, one must be a belligerent claimant. Exactly what you're saying. Yep. And what I tell my students, I don't charge anybody for this, okay? I do it just to do it 
Well, I do it because of a statement my teacher made on in those seminars. And he said, the only way I can protect my liberty is to help you protect yours. Amen. Amen. Okay. And that's why I do it out, out of a sense of duty. Okay. So, um, I can show you, 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 would you believe that you can get out of this in one sentence and one piece of paper? Nice. I believe it. Okay, if you go down to the bottom of that document we were looking at earlier, Certificate of Non-Citizen Nationality, down at the bottom of the page, you're going to see a one-sentence get-out-of-jail-free card. Now, they preface it in that paragraph with what I call fluff, because it doesn't really apply to us, but that sentence does. Okay. And in the paragraph, it says, if you're in the Northern Mariana Islands and you're about to turn 18, six months before you turn 18 or so many after, go in front of a judge and issue this statement. But, my, you know, I think the Northern Mariana Islands used to be incorporated in the non-citizen nationals, which we hadn't even got to yet, okay? And so uh, they probably applied at that time, and I'm not interested in the fluff. I'm interested in that sentence. And that sentence says, I, Tim Brown, do solemnly swear my intent to be a national and not a citizen of the United States. Isn't that what it says? Uh, yep, pretty much, verbatim. Okay, send them that and you're out. You just got to send this to your local judge. No, 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 no. Okay. You oh, Secretary of State. Anywhere. I'm sorry, Secretary of State. Correct. Yep. The Secretary of State. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. And that'll get. Now I doctor that up a little bit. I my <laughs> example that I've got on the website. I like to put a little flavor on it, you know. And so I say, I Tim Brown do swear under the law penalty of perjury of the laws of the United States of America. My intent to be a national with God-given rights and constitutional protections and not a citizen of the United States in a condition of voluntary servitude under the scope and purview of the 14th Amendment. Okay. Just a little more, a little more. Specific. Yeah, you got a little flair there going on. That, that I know a little more about what I'm talking about than just I'm going to copy what you put on the website. Right. Okay, so you do this. You put it before them. I'm assuming that goes on a court record somewhere. No, or it's no, not no, a court no, record no, no, with no, the no. Secretary of State. Sorry about Correct. that. Because um, you said you take it before a judge, so we're taking it to the Secretary of State. So you put that in. Do you get something back from them that says, hey, we received that, you were this, no. that, and the other? Is just Well, you do if you put a certified return receipt requested on it. Okay, that's what I'm thinking, because once they sign, there's also a postal law, too, that they are... They're agreeing to that. Once they sign for that, they're they're in essence agreeing to well, whatever's in we, that that envelope. You see, you you got to understand the basic premise. Okay, what you are is your decision. What system of law you want to live under is your decision, okay. not theirs. Got it. If they tell you what you are and what system of law, that's open tyranny, and they'll go to great lengths to yeah. not be open tyrants because there's billions of us and only a couple of thousand of them. Got it. So they can't refuse your statement because it's your decision. So, Roger, I want to ask a question. I want to because I want to see this real world stuff. I, you know, it's one thing we talk about it. Um, I don't want to say either of us are in ivory towers, but we talk about this. We see the things. We know how they work, and this, that, and the other. So you're telling me in the audience, you're saying you do this. Now you're getting what you've been what you've been taught. You you had. You were taught you had God-given rights, but really you've been living as a as a slave 
to the beast system here in the United States. Okay. Right. And that so, was your doing. You answered those two questions. Sure, yes, absolutely. You, you, you answered it out of ignorance, and so you confess, hey, I was ignorant of those things, and now I've I've understood, and I'm rejecting all of that stuff. Um, yep. I think this is an issue of, you know, we use the term, um, it, you know, from the Bible, this is a, a change of mind, is repentance, uh, where you're confessing, hey, I was wrong in this, this I'm going to correct the record. So let me ask you something. I asked you earlier about... Things like, okay, you go to D.C., and I wasn't trying to be belligerent. I'm just asking, how do you deal with that? They want to put you in the little free speech zone in the corner somewhere where nobody can hear you, and you go, no, I'm going to be belligerent with them. I'm going to say, no, I have rights. I have God-given rights or not civil rights, which I've always, in my mind, I've always... You don't say that. Right. You say, I'm a national. I'm a national. Those don't apply to me. Okay. So, so let's, let's take it another step. Let's have one that a lot of people endure... And that is, they go through the airport. And the Fourth Amendment, be damned, they're going to search you, they're going to scan you, they're going to cavity search you, they're going to put their hands on you, they're going to put you through a scan, whatever the case may be. What do you do as a national? Do you make an issue out of that as well? Because it seems to me that's a violation as well. How belligerent do you want to get? Well, the, I, I would like to get it to the point where you actually win against them. That's what I would like to see. That well, you teach you the other story. that you teach the other people. Let, let me give the let me give the example. You've seen that film, um, A Bug's Life, right? I have. Okay, well, so I haven't seen the film. I've seen excerpts. Yeah, you get the you get the idea. So you well, get I know, the idea. I know where you, I know where you're going. Right. So they're all slaves, and they're scared of the grasshoppers. Right. They're just scared of right. them. Right. Because they pick them. Yeah, they pick them off one by one. So you get. The one guy steps stands up to him, and it encourages the other people to do it. That's and that's that's that's, that's kind of what I'm getting at right here. How belligerent do you want to be, or are you wanting to get beat, well, flogged, thrown in jail, kind of thing? Right. That's why I'm trying to get on shows like yours okay. and turn other people onto this, so my freedom is buttressed. Amen. Because in numbers is our strength. I agree. Okay, so what the aim of us is, is to get on one of these next real big platforms, an SGT report, an Alex Jones, a Mike Adams, which I may be on Mike Adams here soon. Mike Adams, Joe Rogan, Jeff Rents, where tens of millions of people get exposed to this. What do you think they'd do up there at State if they got 20 million affidavits in about two weeks? Yeah, I think they'd be getting close to being out of business because uh, people would start then being able to take back what they've stolen from them and made them into slaves. Well, now you're pulling the teeth out from them for that backing well, of that you, money they're you, printing. You, you pull their fangs when you file this affidavit. Yeah. Okay. Now let me go over and give you an example. Everybody's favorite agency, the individuals representing Satan, right? And so if you go into the IRS code, Remember, you remember hearing this? Have you ever heard this for Tim? Show me the law. You ever heard that? Oh yeah. Yep. How many times? I was on a show uh, on RBN the other day, uh, Michael Herzog, and he started the show with this collage of, you know, Sherry Pack, Jackson Peel, and Joe Bannister, and a couple other IRS agents, a bunch of people. <laughs> show me the law. Show me the law. And when it ended, he said, "What do you say, Roger?" I said, "You want to see the law, Michael?" I know where it is. They don't. They were a couple of them were IRS agents. They don't even know. Where's the law? Twenty six CFR one point one dash one parentheses small a. 
You want to you want to bring that up on a search engine so you can follow the bouncing ball? Here? I can do it. Let me <laughs> twenty six. I'm gonna Hang on, let me, let me, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give, uh, I'm gonna give it to you slow. Okay, go ahead. Twenty six CFR. That's Code of Federal Regulation. Okay. Twenty six CFR one point one dash one parentheses small a. All right, I'm bringing it up here, and okay. gosh, they give me every. I hate it when you have to go to Cornell or something like that, and you can't get it yeah, directly. I but this will work. I, I guess this will okay. work. All right, you can so see the section. Okay, this that's is what counts. This is one, and where are we at here? There's one one point one dash one a on. If, if you're looking in a code of federations, it's up at the top right of the first page. All right, am I? Does this look even? I can't. I can't see. You now. can't I, see I can't it. See. I can't see my. I, I can see, but my magnification. I got to have high magnification. Okay, I got one. One. Ah, this is a. All right. Okay. Well, so we're listen, looking for no, C. No, you're looking for one point one dash one a. Oh Lord. One point one dash one a. Okay. A is right okay. there. Okay, you got it. I got okay, a. Are, uh, okay, well, I'm going to read you. I, I know it from memory, okay, so I'm going to read it to oh, you. Oh, that's a big paragraph. Okay, go ahead. No, it's just the first part of this. It, it might be the wrong paragraph you got there. An income tax is owed. That sounds like a law to me, doesn't it? Okay, I must be on the wrong thing. You said this was C, right? No, no, no. 1.1-1A. Okay, all right. Small a. That's all I'm seeing right there, but I don't see... Uh, okay, I see well, a tax is imposed... I don't want to eat up our our time on Okay, on sure, looking. sure, okay. okay. So I'm going to read it to you. You can go look and verify it later. Okay. okay. And it says, an income tax is owed by all individuals who are citizens Citizen of or the resident. Yep. or resident uh-huh. and to the extent of 871B and 877B, all non-resident alien individuals. Okay. So my first question is, What's Jose the tomato picker doing paying income tax? Hmm. Remember at the start of the show when I said, got your agreement, there's only two conditions, you're either free or you're a slave? Right. Well, we know now what the slave category is, don't we? Citizens of the United States and residents under the 14th Amendment. Right. So by simple process of elimination, a, non, a non-citizen or a non-resident alien has got to be the free one, doesn't it? Huh. Now, how are they using that? So remember me telling you they changed labels on the concepts? Yep. It's a prime example right here. Okay. So a non-resident alien is a non-resident to the residency of the 14th Amendment, and because you're a state citizen, your status is alien from the federal citizenship, isn't it? It is. And 871 and 877B are both constitutional taxes. That's why that's in there. Okay. All right. So let me see if I get this right. So if you come out from under this, you you fill out that little that little sentence, you send it in the Secretary of State, you get your little green card, be sure to do the, um, what, do they, what do they call that? Return, certified mail. Certified return. Certified but return under receipt. our laws, the minute you put it in the postal system, it's, yep, it's already received. got a law there. Yep, it's already got a because rule there. Because that's the IRS law they use on you. Yep, that's exactly right. And you can do that with a lot of things. I, I was learning that 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 is that is sort of a contract that's there, and especially when you get that little green card back, they've already signed it. So unless they explicitly say no, I don't agree to this, then 
They're signing it right there. That's part of I I, I did well, figure that usually, out. That was a new thing. That's a mail clerk, you know. Yeah, sure. They go to a post office box. They go get a best duffel bag. They bring it back to the State <laughs> Department and circulate it. Now, this is interesting, though, and this has just started happening recently. People get their return receipt back, and it's stamped. It's not signed. Diplomatic mail. Oh, that's no good. No, no, it's great. They're already showing you. You got a different status. Aha. Okay. And see, and what they do at the State Department is they've gone to great. As you can tell already, and we hadn't even hardly scratched the surface here, Tim. Okay. We're going to scratch more than the surface. We're going to have you on again, Roger. All right. Well, see, you can see already that they've gone to great lengths to hide this. Okay. Now, in the back profile that bureaucrats see, do you think they're going to have a little check mark over there? Says, "Up, oh, Tim caught us in fraud. He's a national." No, they're not going to do that. Of course not. They're going to keep it as quiet as they can. Yeah. They don't want to show people, even bureaucrats, that this option's there. Okay? So how do they hide it? Remember that term, non-citizen national? Yes, sir. Those are only, this is, there's three political statuses in our country. There's the original state citizen, now called the national. There's the 14th Amendment citizen of the United States. And there's a third political status for American Samoans and Swain Islanders. And that's a non-citizen now. And they're, they're the only unincorporated territories in the entire federal system. And the reason they're unincorporated is because they still now get natural rights. In American Samoa, you still own your land, a loyal title. And it depends on who owns the most land as to who sits in the legislature of American Samoa. It's called FA FA hyphen Samoan culture. Okay. And if in American Samoa today, if you have an abortion, they can charge you with murder. Nice. Okay. Because they're over under original God's laws. Yeah, amen. And they get get natural laws, but they can't be citizens of the United States at birth without naturalizing got it okay so you see what they did here oh i set up a parallel status of an unincorporated territory and they call them non-citizen nationals and they hide the state nationals with the same term behind them yeah you know roger the links that these creeps have gone to to hide this and set this thing up that's why nobody's ever figured it out yeah, you know, Roger, one of the things, um, and I make mention of this real quickly because we're, we're going to wrap things up here, uh, but we want to have you back. If, if, if we need to schedule, we'll redo that. Uh, if you'll hang on after we close out the show, I'll, I'll sure. say goodbye to you off air and we'll talk about that. But this is one of the things I brought to people, and I, I ran across this several months ago. Me and a friend were talking about some things. I went to Genesis chapter 3. One of the things... You know, when God in, comes and confronts after the Adam's already sinned, Eve's already sinned, he comes to Adam and he says, well, you know, who told you you were naked? And he goes, well, the woman that you gave me, gave me the fruit, and, you know, he's trying to blame God for it. And he's trying to blame Eve and trying to get out of it and everything. And the Bible says that his eyes were wide open. He wasn't deceived. And so God goes to the woman. And he says, well, what is this you've done? Well, the serpent over here, he beguiled me. And while we were talking on the phone, I went and looked up the root word for that, for the beguiled. It was very interesting to me that, you know, the beguiled has this sort of seductive kind of context to it. 
that there is deception that's going on. And But when you go to the root word, it says to become a debtor. And I think about what you presented to us, that we have been enslaved and we don't even know it. It is literally, you use your, your, your website as The Matrix Docs. When people see that film, The Matrix, I can't really recommend it to people. It's a family thing, but <clears throat> adults who are discerning, when you see that, you see the people are born into slavery, aren't they? Now, it's not slavery mm -hmm. that we think, but they're their energy is being used to power everything. It's and the, called the English variety of slavery, <laughs> right. how they refer to it. Yeah, sure, sure. And then I didn't even realize, but there was a law term for Matrix, which is the original or the first, the first document or whatever that, that would be there. So with all of this said, I, I want to reiterate to people, look, if you think just writing these words is going to sort it out, Take your time with things. Don't be an idiot and go out and, like what you said, try to be belligerent with people. Just immediate. Learn so that you know where you stand, because if you don't, it's going to be a snare for you. And I don't want to see mm -hmm. people get caught in a snare. I want to see people be able to be mm -hmm. strong like you. I want them to, to buttress our f liberties by their own liberties. And so this is a way they can start it. And the other is continue to learn, to continue to drink in, to continue to throw off the old man or the old, the lies that we've been given and put new things. You've even corrected me in here. I'm appreciative of the, for that, uh, you know, some some light rebukes. And I'm glad for that, because how am I going to learn if, if everybody just says, oh, well, you're just right where you're at. So I'm, I'm appreciative mm -hmm. of that. But let's 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 look at that. Um, um Let's go in the future here, if we can do it. I don't know if we can do it you know, tomorrow, what your schedule holds, or if we have to do it Thursday. If we Maybe have to push on next, whatever you want to do. Keep in mind where you're at, because I think people are hungry to know how they've been deceived. Because, look, I don't, the Constitution, as far as I see, wasn't meant to restrict me and you. It was, a restrict, it was, it was written to restrict people who... Government. You're right, government. But... At the same time, it's a fallible document. It's it, this is really a fallible document, and it's allowed to be amended. Well, a proof of that is what we're talking about here today. Let me go back to something. <laughs> That's I, right. You know, on your intro, you said something about Judeo Christianity. Okay, um, I saw a Jewish quote one time in a great book. I can tell you about it. We don't have time. And it said the term Judeo Christianity is the greatest public relations hoax of the twentieth century. Listen, you're you're speaking to the choir on that. I don't make okay. that decision. I'll go ahead and I tell know, you I because well, I don't I don't I don't believe I, I, I see the history and I know Judeo was made to identify their religion and their country, their nationality. Mm -hmm. And I think putting Judeo Christian together, mm -hmm. I've said it on the air several times, is a bad thing to do because you're now taking two belief systems and wedging them together, thinking one is Oh, this was the Jews of the Old Testament, like Paul says in Romans 2, that were given the oracles of God, and it's not that. It's something else. So you're preaching okay. to the choir here. All right. Well, I want to give you a specific example that may clear it up for a lot of people. Obviously, you're very familiar with the Bible, okay? More so than most people, I'd say, Tim. So at the end of Genesis and the start of Numbers, there's page after page after page after page. So-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so, right? That's correct. Those are all men, aren't they? That's right. Well, how come you're only a Jew if your mother was a Jew? And you only get a right to return to Israel if your mother was a Jew. So you tell me, how are they the people of the book? 
Well, there. I don't believe that they necessarily are. I believe the people who are Israel we find in Galate in the book of Galatians. This is Paul's whole argument. Who is a Jew? His whole argument is uh, in Ephesians two, for instance. He says that we who were afar off. He's talking about Gentiles. He says, "You who are far off have been brought nigh. Nigh to what? You've been made part of the commonwealth of Israel. You've been made." A part of the 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 um, the nation of Israel, as it were. Mm-hmm. Now, it wasn't that Gentile. Gentiles weren't part of that in the Old Testament? They certainly were. There were smaller numbers of them. Now, well, in the New Testament, Gen- there's more. Gentile Gentile only means foreigner. Yeah, so, this means a now, foreigner, right? Exactly. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you <clears throat> another guess that you're just going to be chomping at the bit to get on. <laughs> okay. Okay. And this is an attorney that I've been doing shows with for over nine years now. Every Friday. We're together other times, too, but we're regularly together on Friday on my program. His name is Brent Winters, and his website is... I have already spoken with Brent. He is in, oh, the Supreme, he's in the Supreme Court with several cases there, from what I understand. I don't know. He's got all kinds of stuff going on. But <laughs> Brent Winters, his website is commonlawyer.com. Yep. He's written his own Bible, translated his own Bible. He's written. He's, an, he's as good an expert as we got in the country, to my knowledge, on the common law. And when you file an affidavit, that's what you're moving back under. And so that's how our paths crossed, okay? And uh, he's written a thousand-page book on comparative the common law to the law of the city and stuff like that. And if you hadn't had him on as a guest yet, when you do, you'll be charmed and thrilled, okay? So he's a great guy. And uh, we work a lot together. And man, I, I mean, I've been on a on show every week with an attorney for nine years. If you think anything I wasn't saying right here, lawfully or legally, was correct, do you think he'd have said something? You would think. Wait, I'm I'm sorry. I mentioned you said Brent Win- Winters. I'm thinking of Brent Webster. Sorry, sir. No, different guy. No, this guy's Brent different Winters. Guy. You probably hadn't heard of him. He's fantastic. He should be a national okay. treasure. And you, you, at some point, you want to schedule him, Tim. Well, if you put us in contact, I will be happy to bring him on. Well, you just go over to commonlawyer.com. Okay. There's a contact button. Send him an email, and I'll buttress it with a message to him. We'll do that. that. Uh, but he's on Sons of not Liberty Works Radio. He's on daily, and he does a bunch of stuff, too. And, and, and we're on together uh, on Sundays sometimes. I follow him on Patriot Soapbox. So, anyway... Uh, I want to make sure to get Brent in there because you're going to, you really want to interview him, Tim. Okay. And uh, let's see. The other thing I will go over, how much time do we have here? Well, I'm looking to close out this one. That's what I was going to tell you. Okay. Um, <clears throat> let's keep our, if you can make a note as uh, to where you're going right here. Okay. Let's just pick that right back up and gonna, we'll, we'll do it again when we, when we rec- can record all, it. All, all right. You're going to help me. I'm going to write it on a sticky note and stick it on your forehead. Okay. okay? That'll be great. Right <laughs> all right. And what you want to do is put passport on there. And I'm okay. going to show you in the passport where all this stuff is, how they have to comply with the passport, because it's the, to my knowledge, it's the only document the State Department puts out that's categorized as an information gathering request. And because of that, they've got to adhere to the Paperwork Reduction Act, and it has to have an OMB number. So everything has to be constitutional for it to get an OMB number. But the passport application, when I decided to move to Argentina in 2007, is where I found the answer I'd been looking for for 15 years. So why don't we stop there, and we'll pick that up next time. Now, I want to tell the audience, if you want to learn more, if you've been titillated or this resonates with you, 
go to the matrix docs docs.com and start listening to some of those interviews and you're the the d the deanna spingola and the tom d are particularly good because i got a chance to cover all the major moving part basics and how they operate together okay we hadn't been we hadn't done that yet here okay so you'll be better prepared next time when we go over it. Now, I'm also going to tell you it doesn't matter how many times you hear these things because what happens is that you've grown since the last time you hear it, and when you hear it again, you see something different. That's right. It. And you can't get the basics here enough. You know, how do you learn anything? Drill, practice, rehearse. Drill, practice, rehearse. And when you've drilled, practice, and rehearse, you go back and drill, practice, and rehearse again. Okay. And these basics, I cannot stress how important they are. This is your freedom. Being in an ability to stand up to somebody and defend your position is your freedom. That's the reason I don't charge you. Because I'm gonna the charge I'm gonna give you is if you want to do this, learn the information. Amen. That's my charge. Amen. Now, if you want to do a personal consultation. For whatever reason, I do do those. I charge $150 an hour, and I don't adhere to the clock. And I do have people that want to do that, and I'm happy to do it. I enjoy doing it. But I'd rather you bring your questions to our multifaceted radio program because when you ask the question, I answer it for everybody. And I guarantee you there's others out there that have the same question that are too scared to ask it. I was a teacher for 10 years, Tim, and the bylaw in teaching is the only dumb question is the one that didn't ask. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and by the way, I want to let people know, <clears throat> you know, I have Zoom. I could let everybody in, then I got to let them know passwords and all this other stuff. Uh, a friend of mine has put me on to Gab Pro. They just come up with what they call Gab Voice, which is something like Zoom, but it's already a part of Pro. So I've already got that. So I'm thinking about looking at that and seeing how it's done. So those of you who will sign up for Gab, maybe we can open something up like that to where everybody can kind of come in and where there's questions, people can ask them. Because here at Red State Talk Radio, they, they tanked our uh, phone line um, some year, about a year or so ago back. So we don't even have a phone line where people could call in if they wanted to. But I think right. that's a great way. The way I learn is, uh, you know, to ask questions. If I don't understand, and I'm going to be, I'm usually belligerent about questions. If I if I'm not following what's going on, or I see a contradiction, or at least in my mind it's a contradiction, I want to ask questions. And I know there's a lot of people who listen and they go, I want to ask this question. So a lot of times, this is why live is great <clears throat> because people can ask questions in the chat. So Roger, let's do this. We'll schedule uh, after this, and I'll let I'll let the audience know tomorrow, which will be Wednesday, right into the core Wednesday here on Sons of Liberty. I'll let them know exactly what we're going to do, what we set up, and what time, and we'll do that. But uh, I appreciate your time today. Two hours worth, folks. And <clears throat> I know this is stuff that you guys are looking for, because I'm looking for it, too. Um, I, I told you guys, many of you guys out there listening to me are a lot brighter than I am. You're a lot more knowledgeable about things than I am. Uh, I bring people on, like I've said before, so I can learn something, and hopefully you do, too, or at least bolster what you have learned and say, yep, that's right, I've done that. And we can all be a part of, you know, shaping the future that we have, uh, you know, under the Lord, uh, trusting in his providence that he's going to he's going to use people just like he did, you know, in the Old Testament, just like he did in the New Testament, just like he did throughout history. 
And it's people who are going to trust him, who are going to step out. And they're not going to be, you know, we were talking about the ants. They're not just going to be a bunch of ants back here just following along with everybody else. They're going to be the guys who are going to step out in front. So that's what we want to encourage you and want to equip you to do. So with that said, Bradley be with you at 3 p.m. Eastern today. And uh, don't be sure to catch that. SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In the morning, we'll be back with the Common Core Diva, Lynn Taylor, for Rotten of the Core Wednesday here on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And until then, see ya. Rotten of the Core Wednesday here on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And until then, see you.